Hello, my name is Chris. I, I run GamesIndustry.biz and welcome to the Best Places to Work Awards sessions. As part of the week where we will reveal the best places to work in the UK games industry, we have put together a series of sessions tackling some of the trickiest issues facing games companies today. We have sessions on inclusivity and diversity, climate change and environmental issues, and today we are talking about mental health and well-being. To discuss this very important topic, we have put together an expert panel to give advice and share stories about what they do to support their staff. So I'm pleased to welcome Sarah, Heidi and another Sarah. Hello, everybody. Hi. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Um, I, I, obviously, I think we should begin with introductions. It's always the best way to do things. So who are you? Uh, what do you do? And why are you here? Shall we start with uh, Sarah? How we start with you? Yep. Hi, um, so I'm Sarah Howe. I'm the head of HR at Creative Assembly. I've worked for six years in the company now and um, I've been in the HR world for about 15 years. And my first role uh, um, within the games industry is Creative Assembly. Uh, for me, it's it's such an exciting industry to be in absolutely love it and particularly with creative assembly i think my personal values match them because people very much come first so in terms of health and well-being that's always something we're talking about on a pretty regular um occurrence so yeah excellent match for me really oh. like the games industry good and i'll pass over to uh the other sarah Hi. Um, so, yes, I'm uh, Sarah from Safe in Our World. Um, uh, Safe in Our World is a relatively new charity um, set up to uh, create and foster worldwide mental health awareness within the video games industry. Um, it was only created um, in September uh, 29, uh, October 2019. Um, and I've actually been in post one year today. Um, I'm new to the uh, games industry like Sarah. So I, this is my first role, but I've worked in the charity industry for over 20 years and I've worked on mental health projects with children during that time too. So I'm absolutely loving working at Safe in Our World and um, really looking forward to the discussion today. Great. And uh, Heidi? Hello, I'm Heidi Slee. I'm the HR manager at Third Kind Games, which is um, an indie studio in Leamington Spa. Um, I've been in the HR world probably for about nine years now um, and have a background in many different sectors before I came to games. Um, I've been here in the games industry for just over a year now. Um, much like Sarah Howell, I find it to be just a really exciting industry to be part of. Um, where I've come into, I very much had to set quite a lot of things up. Um, but what's been fantastic is everything's been massively embraced by the team. Um, literally, the values here, just like Sarah's mentioned as well, it's fantastic values within the teams which work in this industry and I'm sure together we can share some insight as to what we've done to kind of keep those things going especially kind of a lot of studios tend to have a family ethos so we are really looking after each other so hopefully I can contribute some today as well. Wow great well we have a lot of, of newbies uh, as, as we would sort of say in the games <laughs> industry uh, with us today so I was going to ask about how uh, the mental health situation in your place of work has changed over the years but I guess that's uh, perhaps Sarah you could answer that one but the it, I know that from my time it wasn't something that was ever talked about when I started in games 14 years ago and now it seems to be talked about a lot um, is it that we've just become a little bit more 
um, accepting or acknowledging of these things? Or is there a, a sort of deeper pri- um, problem going on? In, is it specific to games? Um, I don't know who can answer that question. Um, Sarah, sorry, you've, you've dealt with mental health issues your entire career. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've only been in the industry a short time, but it, I think it, it's always been a bit of an issue within within the games industry. Maybe not always something that was talked about, but I know one of the first things I learned when I joined was from a UK survey that if you work within the video games industry, you are something like 31% more likely to suffer with mental health uh, condition um, as opposed to 17% outside the industry. So it was quite apparent why Safe in Our World was set up to me. Um, There was more that needed to be done to support the industry. Um, I think we'll talk about some of the issues that, that crop up as we go through the panel, but I think it's really important just to, to take it seriously within our industry, um, there's a there's a lot of long hours, there's a lot of hard deadlines, and it really is something that I know Safe in Our World has embraced, um, and we want to be the place to go to help. Um, just uh, outside of that as well, Safe in Our World does also uh, look after gamers too, so it's not all just about the industry. We do we do look out for them as well, um, but yeah, I think it makes our job so important, but we've got some great advocates within the industry. Um, The companies that we're talking to today with Heidi and Sarah have really embraced it. And I think they've probably been embracing it for a while, but because of where we've been with the pandemic, um, I think it's more important than ever. So from my point of view, yeah, the games industry do do need the help, um, but I think we're in a really good place to give it. Is that something that's agreed by the uh, the panel? Yeah, I, I, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. I think, um, you know, prior to uh, the COVID situation, well-being, mental health, talking about it has always been a priority of ours. But since COVID has happened, I think the whole landscape has changed. Um, it's come to the forefront even more and more people are talking about it which I think is really valuable I think mine charity have said around a third of people have struggled since the COVID lockdown with their mental health so I think as companies we we're encouraging people to talk and it's affected everybody differently I'd say we've had some people who have actually felt better um, because of their situation since lockdown their whatever has changed for them has been a more positive impact but we've definitely seen within our company a you know pretty big increase in well-being discussions happening they're really you know they're healthy discussions and it involves everybody I think right from Gareth our studio director the senior leadership team we're all really open to discuss it and I think that's really key yeah I was I was just going to add that I think what I've noticed that's quite different in this industry, and possibly it's because of when I came into it, being that we were in lockdown, um, but I think people are almost a little bit better at talking about it, and perhaps that's because of the cultures that have been fostered. Um, very much, it's sometimes it's helping people to articulate how they feel and improving relationships so that people can openly talk. From personal experience, I would say that people were very open with me as to any support that they needed and I could help them have those conversations. And regardless of what someone's position in the company was or is, um, they very much will talk to each other and ask for help. 
And I think that's something that before the pandemic came along, perhaps people weren't so willing to talk about things. Some people, as Sarah said, you know, they embraced it because they perhaps like to be on their own. They're an insular person. But some people never realised that perhaps suddenly I feel away and I never realised I felt this or this is a new experience for me. So people are identifying with mental health in a completely different way as to how they did before. And of course, going forward, people have got a lot of feelings, regardless of where they're working, whether that be in an office space or working from home or combination. We've got a lot of feelings anyway about going to meet people. But of course, we all together, we can create a fantastic way of talking about things and signposting people to help if they need it. Mm. Well, you touched upon there the sort of situation we're having a lockdown where we're sort of we're we're out. Are we out of it? I think we're out of it. Um, the um, I, can, I can never quite keep up. But when people are talking about returning to the office, maybe not this year, but 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 soon, um, has that sparked you, um, Sarah and Heidi, to sort of think more about um, the sort of how staff are going to react to that, or, or the mental well-being of staff in relation to that, and 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 if so, how, in what way? So, yeah. um, so for us, it's it's really um, it it's changed. You know, the last year and a half, we've we've really had to rethink um, what support we offer. Is that still the right support? If it is, how do we promote that? Uh, if we need to add more support options, what would that be? How would people access those? So, I think it's just made us realise that. It's, it's so important to adapt, change and really listen to your, to your staff because they're the most valuable uh, point of information. So we've asked ourselves those questions. We've really realised that we need to, as we move forward, continue to adapt, continue to put in checks along the way and just make sure that what we are offering is still relevant because, um, yeah, uh, expectations I think amongst employees, it's very different now. Hmm. Yeah, I think we, what we did um, probably is along similar lines. Um, very much we were asking the team how they felt quite regularly about, you know, if the office space does open up, is that something that you want to embrace? You know, would you prefer to stay working from home? You know, everybody's got a different personal situation, haven't they? Um, so very much all along the way, it's been about checking how people feel, um, even when we were making preparations to reopen our office space. Um, it's never been a situation of you've, you've got to come in. We very much opened our office space, for example, for those who felt they needed to be somewhere, whether that was because it's less distractions for them or they just wanted to be with other people. Um, but that's very much the, the kind of approach we've taken. There's no pressure to return but if you do want to connect with people and um, because some people of course have never met each other as well mm. um depends on where you work um you know I only met some of the team maybe four weeks ago um so you know sometimes it's those connections that we're missing um and, and everybody does have different feelings some people have popped in for a day some people don't want to yet but it is very much as you said listening to what your team are saying and how they're feeling and sometimes it's not about what they say it's about what they don't say or how they say it um, and very much starting those conversations off 
um, whether or not that's conversations that you've, you've already had or thinking about educating people on mental health as well, because we all have good and bad mental health, don't we? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, all I was going to add to that is uh, one of our trustees uh, runs a, a recruitment company, and she said the way the industry is starting to change with new recruits coming in, the amount of people that just want to look for jobs that's working from home now is huge um, compared to, to what it was because a lot of people have found their comfort zone is working from home and they don't want to go back into the office. Um, mm. Now, that may be um, a good thing. It may be a bad thing, but I think it's something the industry are going to have to take on board. And obviously, we've all changed the way we work with Zoom calls. And I think that's going to be a massive thing going forward for companies to allow that flexibility to make people safe. A lot of people are still worried about getting on a train or on a tube or on a bus. Um, so I think it is going to take a while for people to regain their confidence. And I think it will have a lasting effect on the industry in that we do have to be a bit more flexible about how we allow our teams, our talent, you know, to be in a place where they can work their best because they feel safe and supported. Mm. I guess, interestingly, I, cause I came out of the, I came out, I went outside. <laughs> I went to, went to games industry things. I went to see studios in the last week and I've not done that in 18 months. Um, I worked from home before this. So it was, for me, it wasn't a big change initially, but I did miss seeing the industry and I was so looking forward to going into London I was really looking forward to, to pop into the studio and seeing people in the industry. I was very excited about it, actually. I thought, this, finally, I can do it. But actually, about, I'd say, 30 minutes into the journey into London, and I felt quite overwhelmed. And it's interesting because, of course, there's the people that tell you beforehand how they might they, they think they're going to feel when they go into the office um, and what, how they think they're going to feel. And it actually may not actually be the case when they actually, yeah. when they actually go and do it. And, and I think maybe that flexibility as well for everybody just to understand that just because they said yesterday how excited they were coming to the office yeah. doesn't mean that that's how they'll feel when they do come in and, mm. um, and I'm I totally agree and I think that that adapting part of what we're going to all have to do going forward is just going to be so key to everything because it, it's so individual isn't it like you say people feel so differently to what they did before and other people that may not have been affected by things before are now so it's just it's so changeable and and that that ability for us to to use our expertise to share with other leaders within the business to just impart those insights because we're quite close I guess to lots of different people in the company and we can keep sharing that those insights to help us move forward and and make people feel safe and comfortable and happy. Mm. Mm. yeah well we'll see how that's all to play, play out anyway in the it was yeah it hasn't gone away um no. and um we'll, we'll i guess we'll all hopefully f- find our comfort zones um <clears throat> one way or another um well i know that in doing the best place to work was i know quite a lot of games companies have it sort of employer assistant programs um in the way that they sort of offer the support their staff and I know a lot of them have been promoted quite hard as well around during the pandemic. Um, and these, for those that are listening or watching and don't know what that is, it, they often offer all, all forms of assistance to employees, like such as financial, legal, counselling services, that sort of thing. Um, but I also know from from what I'm told um, that the take up of these can be quite low, uh, or that or people employees take uh, a notice of them perhaps at the last minute when things are 
getting to a crisis point. Do, do uh, Heidi, Sarah, do you have an EAP or something similar? And if so, how are you working with staff to sort of encourage people to, to take that up? Yes, so um, ours just recently launched. Um, I actually worked with Sarah from Safe in Our World. Um, we actually worked together on looking for a suitable employee assistance provider. Um, and very much I found that in order to embed something um, dependent on what it is, um, I found that it's actually quite helpful to have somebody as a representative from the EAP or employee assistance provider come on and actually do a presentation because also they can answer all the questions that somebody might have in a different way than perhaps I can. Um, I've made sure that for, for in our instance, um, we have an HR portal where all the links, I can, you can just access it from the homepage. So every single link is there. You just press a button and you're straight into it. Um, there were some people I gave them early access before it was launched because I felt it would benefit them. It did take them a couple of days to make contact with them, the EAP, but then I caught up with them afterwards and just said, do you, do you feel better for doing it? And they said, absolutely. Um, I think sometimes there's a little bit about making it sure it's delivered in such a way to the team that they understand everything that is a benefit to them. And one of the major things is, will my conversation be kept confidential? Um, that's a massive one. And the, the representative I had from our chosen um, EAP, she was able to say, yeah, absolutely, it'll be confidential. We also selected one that has um, translators um, in, I think it was like 240 languages, because we do have a lot of people. Um, I think it's quite popular in the industry. You've got a lot of people who are multilingual. Um, more so that perhaps than some other places um, outside the industry. So we found that's really, really helpful. I had people straight away messaging me saying, I'm literally so glad that the business is taking mental health so seriously. Um, so I think making sure that people really understand how it works, having a really simple link as to where to go to if I want to sign up or I want more information. Um, and one of the other key ones as well was very much making sure that our managers or leads, as we call them, were really aware of how they could signpost somebody to the EAP or what those resources, how they could be helpful to them too. All of those pieces together, I found it's made sure that it's landed really, really well um, and everybody knows what the EAP is there for and how to access it if they need to. And having it in for such a short time, we've already had quite a lot of people access it, which I think is massive benefit and I think that's a massive step for anybody to kind of call and ask for help or however you want to contact them because I do find a lot of EAPs there are multiple ways to contact them which is brilliant for people as well if you don't want to talk so that's been kind of my experience um, and it's been embraced a lot faster here than it has in any other industry I've worked in. Oh, wow, yeah we brilliant. we have um we have got an eap um system we've had it embedded for quite quite a while now we use that very actively um particularly within the um, hr team as well in terms of using it as as part of um a, a range of options that we can provide but as heidi said i think it is that that confidentiality part which is really key so it's that external neutral side who who aren't going to pass any judgment and and that education around it's not just for one particular 
um, issue that you might want to chat through. It does have a whole range. So it's that kind of like life, life experience um, challenges that come up on a regular basis that you can access that service for. So we, we in a similar position, Tidy, we do communicate it via other um, resources as well as much as we can. So our leadership teams, our diversity inclusion networks and our employee resource groups internal ambassadors, anybody we possibly can to make sure that they've got the awareness of the programme and the full benefits that are there to be able to push that out. And quite often in our studio messaging, if there's anything that's changing, you know, changes happening, we've had a lot of that recently, we do make sure we remind people because the danger is, I guess, if you just let it sit somewhere and you don't talk about it, it will just not get accessed. It'll just sit on an intranet site. So we we quite regularly give the links, push them out, and just explain to people it might not be the right option right now, but don't let that stop you in the future. If something else were to come up, it's always there as a very proactive tool that you can use. Yeah, I think to build on it as well, I think what a lot of people who have never used that kind of service don't often realise is that quite often when you do get through somebody you're quite often speaking directly to for example a counsellor um, or you you may get you might have to speak get um, moved to somebody who can speak to you from a legal perspective if that's what the reason is you're calling but you're quite quickly speaking to the right person so you know some people are fearful that for example you know if we phone the doctors we're fearful that we're going to be triaged over the phone whereas they might have to triage you to a degree but you're quite quickly speaking to the right person you're not waiting for lengthy periods to get that assistance if you need it yeah um as, as Heidi said we spent uh, quite a few calls going through various um, EAPs and the benefits because it was really important for us at SAFE to know what to advise companies to do um, and I very quickly establish that EAPs are a great idea um, and are very affordable if you've got 20 plus staff they're literally probably less than 100 pound a month they're you know they are and there's lots out there lots to choose from um, so I think you know they offer some great benefits uh, it can be for your, for the other members of the family not just the employee some offer um, obviously in the legal and the financial help as well you might be suffering uh, with, with something that's more financial rather than uh, you know, actually directly a mental health issue. So there's lots of other benefits and, you know, reduced gym memberships and, and et cetera. But the bit that I'm happy that we've been able to do is that Safe in Our World is going to produce an umbrella policy. So if you're a small company, a small studio that's only got two, three, four staff, you can come to us and we can cover you under an umbrella policy. Um, so I'm really pleased to be able to offer that out. Uh, to the industry um, to come and speak to me if they've only got a small amount of staff so an EAP themselves wouldn't be viable to come and talk to us uh, because we'd be able to sort that out for them um, but yeah very much in favour of, of EAPs and just making sure your staff know you've got them I think they're brilliant for bridging that gap that I think you mentioned earlier Chris between maybe you just you're not feeling great you could do with talking to somebody to then hitting crisis point a couple of months later. And I think it can be a great prevention tool to stop you then having to go to your GP and, you know, hitting a real low. It, I think it can be great as that first step to stop things getting to crisis point. Um, so, yeah, they're, 
they're really, really useful. Brilliant. And if for small, for super small teams that want to get in touch, Sarah, mm. how do they, how do they reach you? Oh, they can reach me on our website. If you hello at safeinourworld.com, uh, we'll come uh, straight to my team um, and we can pick it up from there. Um, there's also, uh, if they become a Level Up partner, um, we can get them involved straight away that way. So um, lots of information on our website, which we're going to be launching very shortly. Um, some extra resources for our Level Up companies. Um, but I'll talk about that a little bit later, I think. Okay, brilliant. Well, I mean, Another problem with, I don't know if it's a problem with video games, it's definitely a problem I've got, is sort of always being, is never really taking holiday. Uh, I think it's, I think the, the words I've got in front of me are presenteeism and leaveism, um, which is, you know, I, I'm often on holiday, but if you drop me an email, I can reply to it and we'll reply to it half the time. Um, and uh, I've even been known, in fact, very recently to go into work, even though I really wasn't feeling very well. Um, and I know that in games, um, they use the word passion a lot in video games to sort of excuse this, but it's seen as sort of something that you just do. Um, uh, do you have sort of some good examples within your organisations sort of how this, how this behaviour can be curbed or, or changed in any way? Definitely. I think for... For that to work very much around role modeling, the good behaviors. So from, you know, right from senior leadership through all the different layers is just making sure that we, if we want to promote a culture, which is make sure you do take time out, look after your well-being, is to not then be sending emails out of hours too often, unless it's, you know, really urgent. That should be the exception. And also just um creating I guess focus time so we we tried a focus week recently which was really um, beneficial I think people felt that that um, level of you can just take a bit of time catch up on what you need to catch up and then felt like they were ready for a bit of a, a annual leave period and I think for us it's just making sure that leadership can spot the signs of potential burnout because as you say it's quite um it's a big thing for our industry. People are very passionate. People can find it hard to switch off because they're just really invested in what they're doing. So we just promote through our leadership teams as well the benefits of really taking that time out, coming back refreshed and feeling like you're, you're kind of ready and, and raring to go again. So, um, yeah, I think leading by example is absolutely key with this to make it work and onboarding new starters as well into those behaviors so making sure they're aware that that is our culture that is the way we work um, and to be okay to speak up if they spot signs that people aren't aren't actually doing that another thing we do which we find works really well so within the HR team we can run reports we can look at if there's you know at the whole company if there's quite a lot of people that have got a lot of annual leave left then we can work with the development teams and encourage the the leads to have healthy conversations with their team members to say, you know, we we know that you've not really taken much leave. Is there a reason for that? Can I help you with that? Are there any workload pressures? And and making sure that people understand again the benefits of taking that time out. Hmm. Has that been harder with the pandemic? Because I guess I know that I know that some people don't really want to take holiday when they're not able mm. to go anywhere. But you've also got 
that situation where people sort of might move their hours around and they have to rush out at home to sort something out with their childcare and they think, oh, I'll work a little bit on Saturday morning to make up for that. And then it must be really hard to sort of track and keep an eye on all that. Yeah, for sure. And it's really that flexibility again. And, and that's that's something that we we realise is going to be here for some time now. It's something that we will continue to adapt and and keep listening to our staff to, to make sure that we're hearing them uh, for anything that they need. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, during the lockdown, there are a lot of uh, parents who had to do homeschooling. So working hours had to kind of fit around that so again it was really around that leadership and having discussions healthy discussions to say you can apply flexibility just make sure that you talk to your team be close with them spot the signs if they are not if they're not being honest about how how they're finding their workloads and um, it's something again Gareth um, uh, Creative Assembly he really pushes that message and I think that's really important because he will talk about taking annual leave the fact that he does it you need to do it it's really healthy Uh, people have got a lot of leave left where people have thought do you know what I'm not going to take it because I'm not going anywhere we've really pushed to say still take some you will really feel the benefits of it and and as I say Gareth promotes that as well which is really valuable yeah, I think I would echo exactly what Sarah just said there. I mean, everything um, at Third Kind has been led from the top, um, very much from a holiday, annual leave point of view. Yes, last year there was a lot of I'm not going anywhere. Um, I don't want to take any time off. I'd say I think there was only one person, though, by the end of our leave year who had a little few days um, and we just carried them over just to the first few days um, of the new holiday year. And I think very much though it has been a case of checking in with everybody you know how to book annual leave you know sometimes it's reminding of those days of like your birthday your partner's birthday your children's birthdays things like that anniversaries whether they be nice anniversaries or ones where perhaps you just want a bit of alone time um but very much a lot around flexibility we've um i'm sure other places may have done it but we've enabled people to if, the, if England is not their home country, we've enabled them to go and work from home in their home countries with their families, as long as it, you know, it's not um, conflicted with their settlement status in any way. And then they've taken annual leave to travel and spend time with family, which has enabled them that rest time. Um, also very much ensuring that the work is scoped in such a way that actually you, you don't need to work extra. Or if you have done a couple of hours extra today, make sure you take it back tomorrow. Um, I think all of those things is talking to your team very much and letting them know it's okay. We are a team. And if something, you know, if something's a little bit later, we know we've got that buffer of time to get that done. It's okay. Somebody else will help you. Um, And literally all of all of the leadership team here, they get stuck in with everything just as much as any other team member. So, you know, they're programming alongside them, for example. So everybody is very much really knitted in closely together and talking to each other. And I think if somebody is really, really struggling, then there is a little bit of, you know, it's it's okay to leave it. We will work together. You need to switch off and you need to take some time for yourself and come back refreshed. I think there's a little bit around definitely with presenteeism where people feel the onus is on them. 
and it is that culture of we are a team we will get this done together don't worry yeah just also I was just going to add very very quickly just add as well it's just it's supporting the leadership as well because we've spoken a lot about leadership I guess within this session so that's something that we're really focusing on as as well we've and you know HR teams we're dealing with a lot at the moment in terms of well-being and, and making sure people are looking after themselves it's about looking after each other as well if you you know having a team can be really you've got to balance that you've got to balance your workload so making sure we we're building that support network around those people who are having regular discussions to encourage people to look after their well-being and take time out Um, yeah all I was going to say is I've really found in this industry it is that kind of always on you know um, there's very little boundaries sometimes which uh, between your work life and your home life. And I think that is one of the downsides of working from home. Um, there is that, am I working from home? Am I living at work? You know, you're in the same space the whole time. And I think it is really important to just spot the signs on each other, you know, and people are very good at covering up things, you know. Oh, I love working. You know, it doesn't matter. I don't mind replying to emails late at night. It's not good for you. Um, presenteeism can lead quite easily to burnout. And there's some horrible statistic that it costs the uh, employees something like £45 billion a year in the UK due to people working when they shouldn't, leading to burnout, leading to time off. And so it is, um, it, it's really, really important that you start to look after yourselves. We always have the holy grail here of you need to eat and drink healthy you need to exercise more you need to get some sleep and you need to look after yourself they're really simple things that we all know but sometimes we forget to do them Um, and I think it's so easy we've got mobile phones with every app that we use at work on so someone will send you a discord message at 11 and you reply to it so it's just trying to set some boundaries to make sure you have that time away because whilst you think it's not affecting you in the long run it will do Um, so I think, yeah, it is just very much awareness and looking out for each other. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's worth, and I know this is a bit of a, bit of a sideways looking at it, but the games industry is actually, and look, compared to other industries during the pandemic, the games industry has come out of it very well. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's, there's always hiring issues because the talent that we need is, is, is still developing. Um, but um, uh, it's not the end of the world. If that thing that you're doing isn't quite on time, it's a good chance your company's very, very well off. Particularly working game development or game publishing, there are other areas, of the, uh, other areas of the games industry, but other industries that are that are where things are different. You know, there've been massive redundancies, and there's been um, and there's and workloads have shifted and got bigger, and all these sort of things. If you work in the, an events company, you you know what I'm talking about. And um, these this that makes situations like this even worse. But even in those situations, it's even more important to take time and look after yourself because you you are needed. And being burnt out and stressed and angry and and, and upset or you know it, it that doesn't help. Um, so um, uh, yeah, I agree. And I'm not the best now. I'm a manager. I need to get better myself at putting those barriers up um, between my life and my work and. Um, and I think so. I agree with everything that you've just you've all said. Um, and I'm conscious of the time, so I'm going to finish off. I think with a, with a big question. Um, um, there will be games companies that don't think too much about this. They might they might 
sort of in principle do it they might do conversationally but they, they perhaps don't always they're not they may not have EAPs they may not have entire strategies around this so if there are companies out there looking to improve their workplace but are struggling to get started what advice would you give them to make that first step Heidi I think very much that there's a little bit about I suppose standing back and smelling the roses where are you at can what do you notice going on around you and what have you got in place so it could be something as as simple as have you got all the right support mechanisms in place whether that be something which supports me to have that time off um even looking outside of what somebody might traditionally look look at for mental health it's that ability to take annual leave if they need to take time off for dependence if they need to have you got all that support in place what do you think you need um it could be that you think I am actually interested in for example an EAP start talking to some businesses um just googling you know looking at EAPs for example and start talking to them and because sometimes it gives you ideas of other things that you might want to put in place I think that's very much a starting point um another one as well is perhaps having some kind of channel where you can share information so very much for example, actually start talking about mental health. Maybe we did um, some presentations with Safe in Our World um, and Mind Fitness where we started just talking about different types of mental health conditions, for example, and just opening those conversations meant that people started talking about things and how they could help each other. Um, and then that can lead you on to perhaps other things that you think, oh, right, I might need to put some support in place for that. Um, and allowing people to genuinely, if I'm not feeling great today, then people have the confidence to come forward and say, actually, I need today off and it's for mental health reasons. You'll know that actually people feel confident to come and talk to you. It's, it's having very much somebody to go to so whether that's somebody in HR whether that's your lead another colleague somebody to talk to those are all the first steps to moving forwards um, from my experience so far and I would add to that and and just say to any company that's starting out with this is just don't be afraid to ask your staff as well they they are that really valuable source of information so what is it they're, they're needing? What are they looking for? And there's different ways you can do that, whether it be through surveys or coffee break sessions, just wh- whichever fits your, your ethos, really, of, of connecting with your staff. And it's most likely that somebody's already thought of a solution. So I echo what Heidi said, use external sources as well. Talk to people, gain their expertise safe in our world will be an excellent place to go for that so just just use people around you to really help you move forward but absolutely definitely ask your staff I'd say I think you can get some really good um ideas as well if you're thinking oh I want to get have a bit of information before I start before I start talking to anybody literally going through there's a really helpful document um that um Sarah sent from safe in our world which gives you some great things to kind of start you off with um I'm sure Sarah can talk about it but um there's, there's lots of ideas there as well thinking oh do I have that is that something which might benefit people 
And as Sarah Howell Howell said, yeah, talking to people, however you feel most comfortable to do so. And they feel most comfortable to do so as well. Mm. And then you've got that kind of rounded information then to be able to start putting your plan together and and move it forward and, and take people on that journey with you so that they're they're part of it and they they've had some input into it which is always going to make it very valuable yeah, and don't don't think that you're going to be able to do it all very quickly you need to take a measured pace so that something is embedded in the right way and the other thing that's really essential is keep it alive mm. Um, very much don't launch something and then think oh I've done that Um, so for example you know if if you do want to start talking about mental health you don't need to wait till um, the mental health awareness month in May and and only do it then keep it alive as something it doesn't have to be every week but perhaps every month six weeks you just have something that you can talk about whether it's um, like a helpful newsletter um, signposting to a resource or having a conversation or a refresher on something treat it very much like if it's first stages you don't get trained once or fire wardens it's something that you constantly refreshed on mental health um, is just as important um yeah i mean echo everything that that you've said there um obviously i'm going to give a little plug to to level up hashtag level up uh, mental health um that's our program for the industry um it costs nothing to join and we have a lot of resources um to to enable any company of any size get started uh, we've got a great toolkit um we've got lots of resources that Heidi spoke about how to get started with a well-being charter you know how to um you know write a policy but the most important things to me if you want to get started is tell your staff that you are taking their mental health as seriously as their physical health uh, just tell your staff that and, and like Heidi and Sarah have said don't just say it once once you've got something together you need to keep going and the most successful companies that are doing that are are pushing stuff out every month when um, you know when they've got new resources available or, or it is a day that comes up that they can then start um, talking about um, but look at training get some get some of your staff trained up as uh, mental health first aiders come to us we'll happily do lunch and learns um, just to talk about mental health in in general um, think about maybe getting uh, mental health ambassadors or mental health champions within your organization so that it's not just down to you spread the load get some other people helping with this as well Um, and just generally just get your staff involved get your talent knowing that you're there to look after them Um, and it isn't just playing lip service you're serious about it Um, and then you know from then on you can build a foundation um, that that you can build on from there Um, but I think yeah they're the important things but please do come and talk to us at safe in our world it won't cost you anything um, and it's a really good place to get started. And I'd like one day to there, for there to be a, a community of us um, that we can talk to each other, share best practice um, and just keep that conversation going. Because, you know, I know so, I think Sarah was on a, a wellness day the other day. She had a day off. That's a great idea. But just to share ideas of what's working for them in their companies um, that maybe other companies hadn't thought of. So it's a big share of information. Um, and just try and get us all on the same page and just reduce stigma, get us talking. Mm. Lovely. One of the things I've, I'm picking up from this is that flexibility is really important here. And I, I know 
from judging these awards, I've seen a few companies that will say, you know, where it's very regimented what they do for their staff. Um, whether, you know, a, a good one might be, you know, for um, some uh, bereavement in the family, for instance, they'll get a couple of days. So if it's if it's grandparent, it's this amount of time off. And if mm. it's a, a parent, it's this amount of time off. And I, and I sort of look at that every time I look at those answers. And I'm like, I don't think it works like that. Um, and um, and and uh, and I think that sounds like that's pretty much how you answered every question was talk to your staff, be open to adapting. So brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, Sarah and Sarah. Um, that, that'll be fun for the podcast. Um, and, uh, and thank you all uh, at home for, for listening or watching if, you, if you're on, if you're on YouTube. Um, uh, uh, this session, plus all the others running all week, um, will be available to watch again on YouTube or download as a podcast. And by the end of the week, you'll be able to find a write-up of all these sessions on gamesindustry.biz. So do check, do check it out if you want to read up on it, remind yourself of what was said. And don't forget to come back to us on Thursday, September 16th at 4pm to find out the winners of the UK Best Places to Work Awards. I'll see you then. Thank you very much.